There's a popular Christian song that proclaims that God is always working. Even if I don't see it, you never stop. You never stop working. Even if I don't feel it, you never stop. You never stop working. Do you believe that? I mean, given our circumstances or your particular circumstances, do you believe that God is working right now? Today, we're connecting back to a story where God is breaking into a long period of silence and history with the Jewish people and breaking into a, a story, a long story of disappointment with a couple named Elizabeth and Zechariah. And as we look at their lives, I think we'll find that there's so much reason for encouragement and hope because sometimes in our own lives, we can't see what God is doing in the moment. It's when we look back that we can see God has been working. We pick up the story in Luke chapter 1, verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. Luke has already shown us how Zechariah and Elizabeth had wanted a child, had prayed for a child, but were childless. And they not only had to suffer the, the pain of personal disappointment, but they lived in a time where a child was seen as a blessing from God. So to be without a child meant that something must be wrong with you. They bore a public shame. But that all changed. An angel, a declaration, a miraculous pregnancy, and now the birth of the son. And those around them that know them, they know this, is, this would have been humanly impossible. And so they rejoice with them in the mercy of God. This is something that I, I hope happens to us, that in our lives, that God is doing things that can't be attributed to natural causes, our abilities, our capabilities, but God would do things in our lives that can only be attributed to him. And as people look at us in our circumstances, they go, it must be God. Verse 59, and on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. Circumcision is typical Jewish protocol. It goes all the way back to the days of their relationship with Abraham. It was the outward sign of a relationship with God. And in the process, naming. What would Zechariah and Elizabeth name their son? When the angel declared to Zechariah that he was going to have a boy, he gave him but two instructions as to how they should raise their son. First of all, their boy would be like uh, an ascetic or a Nazarite in that he should not have strong drink and, or drink wine, and also that they should call his name John. Now, we may hear that and it might breeze right by us, but this would actually cause a significant shift for Elizabeth and Zechariah. As a father, you want your son to grow up in your ways, but their boy is, are being told he's going to live a different kind of life. Like Samuel presented to, to work with the priests in the temple, as his mother Hannah, who so wanted a child, gave him up in order to serve in a different way. So John is going to live a different kind of life. This would require a shift in his parents. Many of you know that my wife and I raised three daughters, and man, I just love them so much, and they're all so unique. It became quite clear to us early in her life that our youngest daughter had a specific call of God on her for global missions. I mean, we'd be going to church and on a particular day when a missionary would share their story, April would just well up with tears. She had such compassion and such a burden for people around the world who did not know Jesus. 
And so as she grew into adulthood, we had to hold her with open hands as we watched God develop her and then send her out in all kinds of different capacities into different countries in the world. The DR Congo, Burundi, Thailand, the Philippines, Cambodia, Indonesia, France, Lithuania, Turkey, even Iraq. We were always praying for her safety. And we'd never know how long she'd be gone, when she would come home, when she did come home, how long she would stay. She was such a gift in our life, but she was not a gift for us to keep. And so it was for Zachariah and Elizabeth. Their son John was a gift to them, but he was not theirs to constrict. John would do something different. He would live differently. He would break with tradition. He would kickstart a new kind of relationship with God that went beyond Elizabeth and Zachariah's understanding of their faith. And so they would need to name him differently. So they go to the temple. This is what you do. You present your boy to the priest there. And, and it's a very social event. Think of a, a baby shower back in the first century. Your friends, your family are there. And, you know, they, your friends and family, they have certain expectations. They know how, should, how it should go. They even have ideas about what you should name your child. They would call him Zachariah. Can you feel the social pressure in a society when uh, naming so much, it carries such weight? Feel the tradition, feel the social pressure. Even today, sometimes when uh, people are considering choosing Jesus, it requires them for, to choose a break with tradition. Like moving from Islam to Christianity, shifting from Buddhism to Christianity or Sikhism to Christianity, that can be hard because it can mean saying no to, to traditions, the, the way of the family history in order to choose and say yes to Jesus. And when we follow Jesus, there are these moments in time where we have to choose between everybody else is doing it this way or doing it God's way. There's this choice, there's this moment of decision what will we do? See, at some point we have to decide, are we going to live our lives for ourselves or are we going to live our lives for God? And if it's going to be for God, it shouldn't really surprise us, should it, that we are going to have to make significant shifts sometimes in our life because God's ways are so much higher than ours. Elizabeth chooses to follow God. She resists social pressure. She resists the tradition that's upon her. I love her resolve. No, he shall be called John. Now, I don't know if you can see it, but I can see it in my mind, a, a kerfuffle going in her social circle. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's no one in your family that's called John. What are you doing, Elizabeth? Oh, if only we could speak to Zachariah. If only he could hear and if he could speak. And so they move towards him. They want to get his opinion on this. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and he wrote, his name is John, meaning Yahweh has given grace. And they all wondered. It had been nine months at least since Zechariah has spoken. But when he takes that step of obedience and he writes on the tablet, his name shall be called John, he can speak again. You know, I've seen this happen on more than one occasion in my life. As people take a step of obedience to, to, to respond to God in the right way, a door that was previously closed to them suddenly opens. I had a friend who had a significant ailment, and when he took a step to obey God in an area that he'd found really hard, 
He was called to forgive someone who had really hurt him. But when he took that step of forgiveness, the ailment disappeared. And so here we are with Zechariah and Elizabeth, called by God to resist tradition in order to obey God, called by God to resist social pressure in order to obey God. And they did. You know, I think sometimes we think, well, it was easy for them because they'd experienced a miracle. Zechariah had seen an angel. It's so much harder for us. But think on this. Is it really? Hey, if, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, have not you received great mercy? Have you not received the message from God? Have you not experienced a miraculous new birth? See, I think if we really believe the scriptures and we think on a little harder, we have just as much cause to be compelled to obey God as Zechariah and Elizabeth did. What is true of them is true of us. We read on, verse 65, and fear came on all their neighbors and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with them. There it is again, God working in a way that others can't help but take notice. About a week ago, I was on a walk with a friend. We walked around Mill Lake and we're having a great talk. And as we got back to our cars, we realized we, we needed to chat just a little bit more. So we decided to walk around this block of houses. And as we did, I heard my name called out. This woman was calling out from her house. She said, Tim, Tim. And I turned and looked and it was a, it was a woman I hadn't seen for a number of years, but I had once gone with them on a, her and her husband on a trip to Mexico where they ran a couple of orphanages. It was, uh, it was a great meeting. And as we talked, I asked them, hey, how are things going with the organization? And she related to us in about five minutes how it had been really hard at times because of COVID-19 and finances, they'd been really pressed. But there was a moment as they were under pressure where she said to her group, we're gonna go pray. And this woman knows how to pray. And so, yeah, sure enough, she related to us how God had provided in, in a really, you know, amazing way all that they needed. Wow. My friend told me as we were walking away, I am so inspired. Uh, we were inspired by what God was doing in her life and, and by the presence of the Holy Spirit that was within her. We read in Luke chapter 1, verse 67, And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Luke is the writer of both this gospel and the book of Acts. Probably more than any other writer, Luke wants us to know the, the prominence of the Holy Spirit, the activity of the Holy Spirit, and the necessity of the Holy Spirit. Later on in this gospel, in Luke chapter 11, he's going to tell us about how much God wants to give us the Holy Spirit. In verse 11 of chapter 11, it says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Hey, this is a season of giving at Christmas time. Um, fathers, mothers, uh, you know, you get great joy and delight, don't we? In, in uh, buying gifts that we know our kids are going to unwrap. We can't wait to see their faces light up um, as they see what they've gotten. God says, though, us and compared to him, we're like evil. Not my words. Those are Jesus' words. And he says, how much more, if we know how to give good gifts, does the Father know how to give us 
Of all the gifts that God can think of, he says the Holy Spirit. Amazing. God wants to give us the Holy Spirit. Now you may be asking, do I not receive the Holy Spirit when I put my faith and trust in Jesus? Yes, you do. But as you read Luke, both in his gospel and in Acts, you see how people who are believers of Jesus, who have received the Holy Spirit, are also again filled with the Holy Spirit. So whatever we have experienced in the Holy Spirit, we can ask for more, even as the Apostle Paul prays for the believers in Ephesus, that, they would, that God would give to them a spirit of wisdom and revelation that they might know him better. You know, this has been a personal practice of mine almost every day for about 40 years as I pray for myself and my family. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And so here we have Zechariah not just speaking his own words after nine months of silence, but speaking inspired, spirit-clothed words as he's able to connect the dots of history with what God is doing right now in his moment in time as he declares to others and as he declares to us these words. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. The verses I've just read to you are one long sentence in the original language. Yeah, Zechariah hasn't spoken for a long time, but he's also a spirit-moved recipient of God's mercy. And I'm really taken back by his words because, I mean, I know my own life and maybe you can resonate. So much of my thoughts are about me, myself, like our circumstances, our trials, our COVID, or even our personal triumphs and successes, so much so that we miss the big picture. Not so with Zechariah. I mean, there's nothing here about how hard done by he and Elizabeth have been by waiting for a son for so long or the personal satisfaction of having a son. His words are all about the bigger picture, God's working in history and working in his people. In particular, he points us to the one who is called the horn of David, the strength of David, the mighty one, the Lord, whom Luke is revealing to us and is going to reveal further is the person, none other than Jesus Christ. And Zechariah is so confident in what God is doing as he, as he experiences this big shift in history that he speaks of it as having already taken place. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. It's like it's already done. Have you ever waited for a long time for something that's really important to you, and then it happens? How do you feel? I mean, it's elation, right? But maybe you're, you're not in that place right now. Maybe you are waiting. You have been waiting for a long time for something that it's important, and it feels like it's taking forever. That's hard. Or maybe you've put your trust in a person that has taken advantage of you or betrayed you. It's so hard to, to trust again. Zechariah wants to proclaim the trustworthiness of God. And there's a theme here because like Mary, he proclaims his hope based on the scriptures that he knows. I mean, is this a coincidence? 
The people that God chooses to use have such high regard for his word that they know it and they live it out so much so that when they encounter God, it just gushes out of them as they speak back hope and praise to God. Hey, if you want to have a hope that endures, you got to go beyond what's in front of you, the, the false saviors, saviors that are advertised to us. You got to go beyond your own abilities. You got to go beyond a vaccine. You've got to shift it to God. And that happens when we read his word, we meditate on it, we let ourselves be saturated on it so that our hope and our faith aren't built on things that don't last, but on the eternal God. That's where we need to place it. And God, Zachariah wants everyone to know is so trustworthy. He points us to two significant moments in the life of his people's history when God made a covenant with his people. He takes us back to David, the great king, and God's promise to him. And he takes us back to Abraham, the father of their faith. In a sense, the father of our faith as God gives him an oath. God is trustworthy. He's working in this moment in history, so much so that Zechariah can't help but praise God for this and speak of the good life that happens in him, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. When you've received the mercy of God and when you understand his goodness and what he's done for you, your life no longer becomes about yourself, but it becomes about him. That we may serve you without fear and holiness and righteousness before God all our days. Next, Zachariah speaks about his son, but it's really not about his son, John. He says, a new child will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness, and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. John is going to prepare the way for the Most High, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not the main act, he is the opening act. And he's going to prepare the way as God is working to bring about salvation, to bring about a way for people to come in a new way into a relationship of wholeness with God, to have their sins forgiven. Zechariah gives us this picture of a dawn, of a sun rising and shining its light on people who've been sitting in darkness and are under the shadow of death so that they can walk in light and they can walk in peace. And Zechariah tells us why this is happening. Why is God working this way? He says, because of the tender mercy of our God. The tender mercy of our God. Hey, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about God, but this really strikes me. God is moved by compassion. That words there, tender mercy, refers to like an inward bowel of, of deep compassion for us. So whatever you think about God, you need to know this. God is moved deeply to work in history for your sake and my sake, that we would not walk in darkness and under the shadow of death, but experience his life. And he invites you into that today. So here you and I are living our lives. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's really difficult. And I don't know about you, but I just, I've never been able to, to make it on my own. We, we stumble along in our way, and at some point you realize, God, I need your help, and it's there. 
because of the tender mercy of God. He's inviting you into that today. See, there's a bigger story that Zachariah and Elizabeth, their story is reminding us of. A bigger story of God working in the world and history, the big shift to make salvation available through the person of Jesus Christ. And this changes everything. It even changes how we, we look at our current circumstances. I think of COVID-19 and all that we're going through. We can be so focused on the restrictions that we're experiencing and not think about the restrictions that Jesus Christ went through so that we could have a relationship with him. That in this moment in history that might be a little bit difficult for each one of us, God might be working in ways we cannot see for the salvation of so many people because right now they're thinking, what's this all about? This is not working. And he's offering them the way of peace. One more thing, verse 80, we read, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. So although John is going to live a life different than his father, he's going to have an experience of waiting like his father. He will grow up as a child, then he'll live in the desert as an ascetic for a period of time. We know it's approximately 30 years, and then it happens. Solitude with God shifts to speaking for God. Preparation with God shifts to prominence. Waiting on God shifts to fulfillment. Trust shifts to joy. God can be trusted. God is working. He is working in the world. He's working in you. He's working in me to accomplish his purposes. His good plan of salvation out of his tender mercy. And for those who will live right in response to him, they will make the shift to live a biblically informed, spirit-filled life of obedience. And it's there in that place that you and I experience the joy of being part of God's bigger story as he fulfills his part in it. I'm going to say a prayer and I'm going to invite you to pray along with me um, just to say, God, we want to shift our lives to be in a right place with you, to walk in step with you by the power of your Holy Spirit. And if you're in that place where you're willing to say yes to Jesus, whether it's for the first time or whether it's a renewed yes, I invite you to pray along with me. Our Father, we wanna praise and glorify your name today and thank you that you love us so much out of your tender mercy for us. God, you provided a way of peace, wholeness, forgiveness, salvation. And Lord, we just want to say, we want you to be the Lord of our life. God, help us to adjust and shift our lives to come into alignment with you and your word. And we ask that you would fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit to be able to do that so that we can bring glory and honor to your name. In Christ's name I pray, amen.